Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to another visit to the mound. I'm Lark Smith, along with Stan Huff. Today, a special treat for this episode of A Visit to the Mound as we talk with Baseball Hall of Fame pitcher Ferguson Jenkins. Jenkins spent 19 years in the big leagues playing for the Phillies, the Cubs, the Rangers, and Red Sox. He was the Cy Young Award winner in 1970 and won 20 games or more seven times, six of those in consecutive years with the Cubs. Jenkins was also the league leader in complete games many times. Those, by all accounts, are numbers worthy of election to baseball's Hall of Fame. And on top of all of that, he's the only Canadian-born player in the Hall of Fame until Larry Walker was inducted in 2020. Fergie, thank you very much for your time today. First question I want to ask is, growing up in Chatham, Ontario, at a time when Major League Baseball did not have a presence in that country, how did you get involved in the game of baseball? Well, you know, uh, the city of Chatham is about 65 miles uh, north of Detroit. And my father was a big uh, Tiger fan, and I think uh, his influence uh, got me interested in more of the game of baseball. And I've I seen a lot of games at Briggs Stadium when uh, you know Jim Bunning was playing for the ball club along with Norm Cash and quite a few other really good players with the Detroit Tigers. And plus, uh, if I understand the, the geography, you're just across the uh, – Lake Erie from Cleveland, so you probably had some influence from the Indians as well. I've seen uh, Cleveland come to Detroit quite a few times. Seen Larry Doby play, one of the first players of color in the American League uh, with Cleveland, uh, and I've seen Bob Feller pitch. So when I was a kid, you know, so when when baseball got really really popular, especially uh, in in the summer months, uh, I, I think that really drew me to 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 rally learn the game of baseball a little better fundamentally and uh, really get an interest in, in trying to play the game of baseball. Fergie, you were a pretty good hockey player too, weren't you? Oh, decent. Uh, you know, I got scouted by a few teams. Uh, you know, I think uh, in the long run I made the right choice getting into baseball. But, uh, I think you did you know, too. I, I, really enjoyed, I really enjoyed hockey. <laughs> well, great. Hey, well, listen today, you know, we've got these new rules in uh, Major League Baseball, and uh, one of them is this pitch clock deal. And the one of, you know, us working together, we talked about this before. Um, you know, you, your games were averaging around two hours and 15 minutes, and, and which is better than what the pitch clock can, can deliver. So uh, if you don't mind, let's, uh, let's go into what your, your preparation was and all that to be able to pitch those games in such a short period of time. 
Is that all right? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think it all starts uh, prior to spring training uh, in January. I would do lots of running and throwing in local gymnasium and go to spring training, which was where the Phillies were in Florida. And then when I got traded from the Phillies to the Cubs, uh, I was in Scottsdale. So the uh, the conditions are are what pitchers really should thrive on. Getting yourself in real good shape, running, throwing. I threw a lot of batting practice. And knowing what hitters like to hit, that's a big thing. You know, uh, if you don't have to shake off a lot, you and the catcher work so closely together, and you be a catcher, makes the game a lot easier. Oh, and I think definitely. that speeds the game up for sure. And I think the tempo of the game really belongs to the pitcher. Exactly. If the tempo of the game is going in his favor, I think the games are, are probably pretty quick. Innings are quick. Not 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 the game, but innings get quicker. Inning, uh, inning to inning, batter to batter, and then pretty soon you're looking at the eighth and ninth inning. And, hey, if you're winning, the game's going to get over quicker. Exactly. I mean, I, I, what you said about with the catcher and all that, well, I knew when I was catching guys and we were on the same page uh, mentally, it was it, we were going quicker because there was not a whole lot of shaking off there. Now, you did tell me that when y'all were in the dugout with Randy Hundley, your catcher, that y'all would go over the next three hitters. Is that right? Yeah, definitely. I'd sit by the catcher and the pitching coach, and we'd go over the next three hitters that are coming up in the in the following inning. And if I had to face more than three to four batters, I knew that I had men on base, maybe base hits or maybe a walk. Uh, and uh, that, that makes you pitch from the stretch. And pitching from the stretch is a lot more difficult, I think, from the windup because of the fact that you're looking uh, at maybe holding a runner on at second or maybe holding a runner on at first. It takes a little more time. You got to make the right pitch. You got to have the right location. And you and the catcher got to work so closely together. It's ideally having that catcher sit by you in the dugout. I, I definitely agree with that. I did that many times as well. You mentioned pitching out of the, the windup as opposed to pitching in the stretch. That seems to buck a trend that I'm seeing now in, in JUCO and college baseball. Seems like they're teaching all these pitchers, no matter if it's people on base or not, they're pitching more out of the stretch or at least with their, with their landing foot already out in front of the rubber as opposed to behind the rubber. They don't really go through a windup any longer. Yeah, you know, I think it takes away from your strength. The lower half of your body propels a little more speed uh, along with your arm. But I, I always thought that wind-ups are a little more relaxing. Uh, you're facing the hitter. The, there's nobody on base. You know, where the infield, outfield are all positioned. And I think that takes away from you having a stressed part of holding runners on. Well, you can also say it, look at it this way as well. When, when you've got nobody on, your, your focus is totally on the hitter. And when you got one man on or two men or three men on, now you've got to focus on four people. And obviously your, your priority is a hitter, but those other guys are out there. And that, that, that causes, that might cause some anxieties too. Well, I think it puts a little pressure on you. I certainly got runners in scoring position and some good hitters, RBI hitters at the plate or maybe home run hitters at the plate. So I, I think that adds to the pressure of you making ideal pitches that are going to be your strength. And that's what you got to try to pitch to your strength. And even with men, no, with men on or with nobody on, 
you got to pitch to your strength. Correct. Was that maybe the key to you having as many complete games as you did in your career that you just didn't have that many men on base that you had to worry about? Uh, possibly. I didn't walk a lot of people. Uh, I think uh, in the course of 4,500 innings, I, I walked less than 1,000 batters. That's good. So that does help keeping men off base. Uh, I gave up some base hits. I gave up some home runs. But uh, that's when you walk people, that's giving up an open base. And I, I just think that uh, that puts a little more pressure on you as a pitcher. Okay. Let, now let's uh, talk about this pitch clock. What's your What's your opinion of that right now? To me, that takes away a lot of strategy as far as tempo and, and working a hitter right there. But go ahead. I think that the, the pitch clock uh, makes the, the pitcher be indecisive of what he wants to do. It speeds him up. Uh, he might make the wrong decisions. You and the catcher have to work so closely together. The right decision should be made at least 90% or 95% of the time during that inning when you're out there working. Correct. Uh, I just think that uh, knowing what pitch you want to throw what location, what speed, I think that takes uh, a lot of thinking. And the pitch count, uh, make that making that clock make you work a little quicker could be confusing to some young pitchers. I understand. You know, I'll tell you what, what we do. If we had a hitter that was real anxious to hit, I would go out and tell the pitcher, slow your tempo down. I want to I want to get into into his cage right now. So if we slow it down, we, that anxiety builds a little bit. And then when you got the patient hitter up there, I would tell the guys, let's see, up tempo here. We need to go faster. We don't. I don't want him to get set in the box. So in effect, I don't know what degree that helped, but it did help in in some regard. Oh, it, it does. I, I think that you knowing uh, the hitter and what he likes to swing at, what he likes to position his bat, or where he likes to to maybe. Uh, hit the ball with, with deep in the count with two strikes, no balls, or two and one, or it's two and two. He likes to pull, he likes to hit up the middle, or he likes to spray the ball to right. I think that definitely helps the, the pitcher, and especially uh, in that situation. In my discussions with people at all levels of baseball, from junior college on up to the pros, it seems to me that the only people who want the pitch clock are the TV producers. <laughs> yeah, they want to get those commercials in. You're right. <laughs> well, they'll fill them full of commercials. That's where all the money's at. <laughs> we, we understand they, they that. For the game. <laughs> yeah, we, we understand that. But uh, you're there to record the baseball game. The baseball game is not necessarily there to be your your uh, programming filler. Yeah, I think that uh, you, you, you see that happen, official scores or people that do a lot of uh, commercial uh, uh, on space on, on TVs, and that takes a lot of anxiety uh, towards the pitcher. I think that a lot of times I've seen umpires even stop the pitcher from winding up because the commercial wasn't done yet. Yeah, <laughs> brother. <laughs> and I think that's incredible. I mean, I mean, when an umpire's got to stop you from you having your the pitch ready to throw to a certain hitter. And he's out there standing in front of the plate going, no, probably need another 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I had that happen in a junior college game about three weeks ago where the, the producer was telling the umpire to hold up, hold up. And the umpire looked there and said, hey, look, 
that pitcher's been warmed up for the last 45 seconds. I'm not going to make him sit out there any longer. And he said, play ball. And they started with that before the commercial was over. Definitely. I I think that it does have the good points, and then then it has the points that when you think about when a pitcher is ready to do his job, you can't take him away from what his idea is, try to go out there and and, and throw pitches and, and, and to to make good pitches. Uh, so that's a big thing. Make good pitches. I agree. Totally. Yeah. yeah. The preparation pitchers pitchers have to go through and really and truly, you know, they're doing all the running all the time. And it's another, it's amazing to me why all the position players don't run with them because looking at some of them out there, they, <laughs> they, need, need, to, <laughs> they need to run. <laughs> anyway, so you go through all this preparation, and then you're limited as to exactly what you can do. And, and mentally, I mean, strategy-wise, it, it has some, to what degree, some effect on, uh, on, on what your production is going to be out there on the field. Anyway, hey, a lot of times, uh, let me tell you, Stan, especially when you got guys coming out of the bullpen and he's your setup or your closer and he has two pitches. He has two pitches and he works those two pitches to get hitters out. And now you've got someone in the background saying, hey, wait, 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 can't throw a certain pitch. I mean, that takes away from what he's trying to accomplish. Oh, yeah, that's definitely, that is, wow. You you got a point. I'm hearing it from the college level right now. Uh, College coaches like uh, Dave Van Horn at Arkansas screaming bloody murder about this pitch clock at the college level now because how much it's altering the game. Baylor University has already gone through three different communication devices to try to get the pitch out to the catcher and the pitcher in plenty of time so that they don't, don't end up with that extra ball in the count. And it's, it's altering the game at all levels. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, it, it starts like, like you say, high school, college, and then into uh, low classification, like high, uh, low A and high A and double A. But I think that if you've got a smart manager and smart coaches, I think that, uh, it's going to help in, in some respect. I don't know if it's going to speed the game up or not, but the tempo of the game really belongs to that individual that's on the bump. And he's on the hill. He knows what he's supposed to do. I think you can't take away his idea of what he's trying to accomplish. Well, I think one thing that uh, Major League Baseball might be overlooking in trying to speed up the game is, you know, okay, let's say it lasts 20, 20 minutes, 30 minutes less than what it has been. That's 20 to 30 minutes of beer sales you're going to miss at the ballpark. <laughs> How much money are you yeah, missing there? Yeah, I concession people probably are not angry <laughs> or not happy. Maybe, maybe they are angry. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you're right about that. Uh, you know, and when the game's long, well, they stop uh, selling alcohol after the seventh inning anyhow. But the concession part of it, popcorn, hot dogs, whatever, hamburgers. Or, sure. Or uh, chips, yeah. You know, I, I think that's going to continue. Yeah. But let's let let's not take away what that accomplishment is trying to to get across. That pitcher is trying to win ball games. Correct, definitely. Look, Fergie, I, we do appreciate this today coming on and, and giving an, an opinion on that uh, pitch clock. Uh, personally, I don't like it. I don't like the other rules that they're they're integrating into the game. I think it's a detriment to the game. 
historically and uh, from this point forward anyway but uh, it is what it is and we got to deal with it right now maybe we can adapt better i think it's going to take a while uh for certain ball clubs certain pitchers to, to get relaxed and on what they're out there doing and, and it could help in the long run but uh Wait and see. Nobody wanted video replays either, but they've helped the <laughs> game in, in some respect. Yeah, so talking about gotta, slowing the game. On a trial down. basis. Yeah. yeah. On yeah. a trial basis, uh, let's hope it works. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, let me echo what Stan said. We do thank you for your time today. Best of luck from this point out, and we'll hopefully talk to you later. All right. Sounds good. I appreciate it. That's Ferguson Jenkins, a Hall of Fame pitcher, pitched for the Cubs, Rangers, Phillies. Several others, just a great all-around guy, and we certainly appreciate him being a part of A Visit to the Mound today. That is our time for this episode of A Visit to the Mound. Many thanks to our special guest today, Ferguson Jenkins, and thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments, anything you would like for us to cover, we would certainly like to hear from you. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Visit to the Mound or on our website at avisittothemound.com. Make sure you like, subscribe, and review this podcast and be listening the next time we make a visit to the mound. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. Podcast.